There once was a boy named Gimme Some Roy. He was nothing like me or you. Cause laying back and getting high was all he cared to do. As a kid, he sat in the cellar, sniffing airplane glue. And then he smoked banana peels, when that was a thing to do. He tried aspirin and Coca-Cola. He breathed helium on the sly. And his life became an endless search to find the perfect high. But grass just made him want to lay back and eat chocolate chip pizza all night. And the great things he wrote when he was stoned looked like shit in the morning light. Speed made him want to rap all day. Reds laid him too far back. Cocaine Rose was sweet to his nose, but the price nearly broke his back. He tried PCP, he tried THC, but they never quite did the trick. Poppers nearly blew his heart. Mushrooms made him sick. Acid made him see the light, but he couldn't remember it long. Hash was a little too weak, and smack was a lot too strong. Quaaludes made him stumble. Booze just made him cry. Then he heard of a cat named Baba Fats, who knew of the perfect high. Now Baba Fats with a hermit cat lived high up in Nepal, high on a craggy mountaintop up a sheer and icy wall. Well, hell, says Roy, I'm a healthy boy, and I'll crawl, climb, or fly, but I'll find that guru who will give me the clue as to what's the perfect high. So out and off goes Gimme Some Roy to the land that knows no time, up a trail no man could conquer, to a cliff no man could climb. For 14 years he climbed that cliff, back down again he'd slide, he'd sit and cry, then climb some more, pursuing the perfect high. Grinding his teeth, coughing blood, aching and shaking and weak, starving and sore, bleeding and tore, he reaches the mountain peak, and his eyes blink red like a snow-blind wolf, and he snarls the snarl of a rat, and there in repose, and wearing no clothes, sits the godlike Baba Fats. What's happening, Fats? Says Roy with joy. I've come to state my biz. I hear you're hip to the perfect trip. Please tell me what it is. For you can see, says Roy to he, that I'm about to die. So for my last ride, tell me, how can I achieve that perfect high? Well, dog my cats, says Baba Fats. Here's one more burnt out soul who's looking for some alchemist to turn his trip to gold. But you won't find it in no dealer's stash or on no druggist's shelf. Son... If you would seek the perfect high, find it in yourself. Why, you jive motherfucker, says Roy. I've climbed through rain and sleet. I froze three fingers off my hands and four toes off my feet. I've braved the lair of the polar bear and tasted the maggot's kiss. Now you tell me the high is in myself? What kind of shit is this? My ears before they froze off heard all kinds of crap, but I did not climb up here to hear that the high is on the natch. And I didn't climb for 14 years to hear your sophomore rap. So, you tell me where the real stuff is, or I will kill your guru ass. Okay, okay, says Baba Fats. You're forcing it out of me. There is a land beyond the sun that's known as Zambali. It's a wretched land of stone and sand where snakes and buzzards scream. And in this mystic garden blooms the mystic Tsutsu tree. And every ten years it blooms one flower as wide as the Key West sky, and he who eats of the Susu flower will know the perfect high. For the rush comes on like a tidal wave, and it hits like the blazing sun, and the high it lasts a lifetime, because the down don't ever come. But the Zavali land is ruled by a giant who stands twelve cubits high, and with eyes of red and his hundred heads he waits for passers-by. And you must slay this red-eyed giant and swim the river of slime, where the mucus beasts, they wait to feast on those who journey by. And if you survive the giant and beasts and swim the slimy sea, 
There's a blood-drinking witch who sharpens her teeth as she guards the Susu tree. Well, the hell with your witches and giants, says Roy. And to hell with your beasts of the sea. As long as that Susu flower still blooms, hope still blooms for me. And with tears of joy in the sunblind eyes, he slips the guru of five and crawls back down the mountainside, pursuing the perfect high. Well, that is that, says Baba Fats, sitting back down on his stone, facing another thousand years of talking to God alone. It seems, Lord, says Fats, it's always the same, old men or bright-eyed youth. It's always easier to sell him some shit than it is to give him the truth. Arturo Marán. Arturo, ¿de dónde? Estamos aquí de Saicedo. Welcome, you are listening to the Spoken Tour. Bienvenidos, están escuchando The Spoken Tour. Bienvenue, vous écoutez The Spoken Tour. Su Mahamuskai Kichik, Uyarishin Kichik, The Spoken Tour. Folks, what you just heard was our rendition of The Perfect High by Shel Silverstein, a poem that was introduced to us here in Chile uh, the first time we visited Patagonia by our uh, professor, um, and it's just always stuck with us ever since, and we wanted to lead off the final Spoken Tour episode with uh, something that was near and dear to our hearts and also something that we just think is super fun. All right, it is Wednesday, June 20th, 2018. We're in Santiago, Chile, again for the second time. Stoked about it. Um, trying to wrap everything up here because we've got some international flights that uh, more or less mark the end of this trip. Ladies and gents, this is officially the final episode of The Spoken Tour. Episode 20, the big 2-0, and by God, have we got something special for you. That's right. And uh, we're going to also discuss what our future plans are for writing at the end of the episode. But before we get to that, um, there are some big topics that we've been uh, talking about amongst ourselves throughout the entire trip. And uh, questions that we've been asking that we want to try our best to answer um, for you guys to kind of put the whole thing into some sort of yeah. Meaningful perspective. Should we have brought three pairs of underwear instead of two? Was it a mistake not bringing some sort of coffee creation appliance on the trip? Big, big questions. Um, heavy implications. Um, we also have some listener submissions uh, from some longtime fanboys. Uh, we're going to play those for you guys now before we dive into the real heavy stuff. Hey, Spoken Boys. Uh, a couple of longtime listeners here. Hey. Uh, that's Graham. This is Jacob. Um, both Ward, last name. Also stoked for the last episode. Very excited. Very don't, excited don't for the last episode. Don't disappoint us, please. Yeah, if we're let down, I'm going to stop listening. Uh, we're just heading back. We, we, uh, we're out climbing this afternoon, just sh getting super pumped on a couple of five, six pluses. Super raw, very deep. That, that five, 
five five minus was cool. Uh-huh. Um, so we're we're heading back. Uh, but we had a couple questions for you. Um, three exactly. Uh, one is, do you, you guys feel like you have another trip of this caliber in you, in your souls, somewhere before you die? And if so, do you have any idea what it is? Well, it sounds like you guys are really getting after it uh, at the crag. <laughs> Good on you. Good on you. But uh, another trip of this magnitude, uh, part of me, when I'm asked that question, just kind of cringes. Uh, because I think at this moment, I am very content with uh, the next year of my life not being um, on a bicycle. Uh but there is a part of my soul, as you kind of alluded to, that, yeah, I could see something like this in the very distant future, uh, a, a trip of this length. Um, no offense to you, Ty, but I would kind of like to do it with a lady, um, <laughs> just to crawl into the tent at night, mm-hmm. maybe be able to kiss the one lying beside me instead of smell their farts all night or my farts whoever's yeah. farts no, no, need no, to, no offense no need, no need to say who was farting you know no offense taken um and when that lady turns you down i will be here <laughs> to accompany you once again it's so kind pretty much the same answer for me though i'm at the point now it's like the feeling at the end of some huge like at the end of a marathon or something someone asks you hey do you want to do it again tomorrow <laughs> yeah, absolutely not like, <laughs> like right now, the the grand adventure is like going home and like re readjusting to that whole thing again. Like yeah. that's the adventure I'm excited for in this moment. Yeah. But there's definitely yeah. the fire still burning inside. Yeah. Stoked to like on a micro level, but still a very dope level. There's like getting back to Colorado, exploring the Rockies again, getting. A winter to shred Utah just like those are little pockets where like my heart is like aching to explore again but yeah nothing like a transcontinental trip of this magnitude does has really no appeal to to me right now right now yeah, yeah right, right now. now second question comes straight from daddy um, and I was wondering kind of because I was considering doing something similar myself but what do you how would the trip have changed had it been a vehicular-powered trip as opposed to a pedal-powered trip? Uh, it would have been more expensive, paying for gas, that's for sure. Yeah. It would have, probably would have, been, would have been a shorter trip due to money, price, money saved. Um, but yeah, the thing that first popped into my head with this was just the activities that we did. Uh, while not in our mode of transportation, would have been a lot different. Uh, with a bike trip, we were spending you know, 98% of our energy riding, pedaling a bicycle yeah. with 100 pounds on it. Uh, and when we arrived to camp, you know, doing a hike or going for a climb wasn't really priority number one. It was more so just right. eat food and lay down. Yeah. Yeah. We, we might have missed out on some of the cool activities at our disposal because of that. But... Uh, the first thing that came to my mind uh, when hearing the question was that there'd just be so much more time spent zoned out while behind the wheel of a vehicle, whereas on a bike, you're kind of always in the thick of it, like yeah. feeling 
your surroundings. Yeah. More being stimulated. Like you're con- yeah. If, if you let, if you zone out, you'll crash your bike. Whereas, <laughs> like, in a car, you can keep your hands straight on the wheel, keep your foot <laughs> yeah. rested on the pedal, and, and you're be a million miles yeah. away. And, and oh, like, oh my God, did I fall asleep? What, what am I? <laughs> but no, yeah. Uh, and my last question is, is there anything that you've learned along the way uh, since you left just over a year ago that you wish you would have known before you left? Now that, Jacob, is a terrific question. Not to say your other questions were not terrific, but that is one that... Uh, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful thought. Uh, I think before we left for the trip, we were we were we were well aware, pretty well aware that the physical aspect of this trip was going to be conquered. We we were we were very capable of that. But then there was what was just referred to as the mental side. Like oh no yeah okay, okay. the physical side no problem but the mental. We'll deal with the mental, but like, what the hell does that mean? The mental side of things. I don't like, think we had any idea yeah, what it was going to mean yeah, like, at the beginning. There were the highest highs and lowest lows. Um, the the wildest celebrations and the most solemn moments that uh, I can remember ever having on this trip, and uh, just the. The, the ease at which it was referred to as the mental side of things. Um, I mean, it was deep, deep spiritual love, heart, everything um, getting ripped and rebuilt uh, throughout this trip. And a big piece of that was those moments where you kind of find yourself um, either after a high or after a low asking yourself why why the hell am i doing this right now mm-hmm. i'd say usually after lows yeah <laughs> yeah but uh it was something you know the the not having this romantic answer to before leaving for the trip why why are you why are you why are you going out on this mm-hmm. you know why are you doing this for a year um not having like a a packaged answer for that it was like oh i'm sure by the time we're done with the trip we'll have the one liner that we can yeah it'll come to us give but um, it hasn't, and it's, it's so beautiful that it hasn't, uh, just because it's so fitting into the theme of this trip. And so with that, um, we hope to provide you with a better answer through a couple uh, submissions, audio submissions that were given to us by um, my cousin Timothy and uh, another dear friend uh, that we uh, was some early on inspiration. So here's a clip from from my cousin Tim uh, on uh, the waxing and waning and uh, different forms that motivation uh, plays in our lives. And so for me, it's these. It's a motivation to just kind of figure it out. You know, I haven't even been an attorney for half a year and I'm being thrown into situations. I'm suing the Ford company and the other attorney on the opposing side representing Ford has argued in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, So I'm just really trying very hard to uh, 
hide my hand and not let him know that I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Like, there's some times on the phone when I'm talking to him that I just want to ask him to explain things to me. And I know that would not be good for my cause. I just, <laughs> I can't do that. But, uh, you know, there, there are some times where I would really like to. What also doesn't help is that I'm a huge procrastinator at the moment. Uh, I really thrive under the pressure of the deadline, which is terrible for this uh, business. So, to wrap it up, really, uh, it's a motivation to build something. Not just for myself, but for the people of my community and my loved ones. Um, it's this wild translation from menial paper pushing tasks that blossom into really helping people, uh, and trying to figure that out and be better is what's motivating me right now in my life. It's super tough. I mean, constantly self-regulating and checking yourself to push yourself to do just the work that is in front of you is exceedingly difficult at times, and it's sad. <laughs> it like, bums me out sometimes how bad I am at it. Uh, but it's also exciting because they said that Thomas Jefferson would spend nine hours of the day in his study uh, learning languages and reading and writing. Um, and you would have to imagine even a man like that or any great writer sitting in front of a typewriter would find it difficult to continue at times. And... Uh, but those who have success are the ones that are able to, to get over the curve, so to speak. So for me, um, yeah, it's just a, a motivation to try to build something that impacts me so personally. Um, I feel like I'm coming to this revelation that being an attorney, although it does not define who Tim Crosby is, it certainly is now a part of my life's story. And, uh, I, yeah, I just don't want to do it half-ass. So, uh, that's my ramblings. I just want you to know that I have faith in both of you and your abilities, uh, to to make anything that you set your minds to happen. And I don't say that to put pressure on you out of some expectation that I have for you uh, because that's just dumb and dumb. It's meant to be an encouragement. Um, whatever you find your trip to be, uh, is always going to be an amazing experience. So, Cousin Tim, I greatly appreciate you sending in that clip. 
And I just want to let you know that I had a huge smile on my face as you described uh, going up against the lawyer from the Ford company who has uh, had trials in front of the Supreme Court justices of the United States of America and uh, that moment where you uh, realized fully that you are so, so, so far in over your head um, and how uh, how wonderfully exciting and terrifying that moment is. Uh, for us, that has been the vast majority of our trip is just the acceptance that we're in over our head, that we have no clue what we're doing, where we're going, where we're staying, um, and almost using that as a way to find motivation because we have convinced ourselves that we will overcome it. We have convinced ourselves we will find a solution. And not only do we convince ourselves, but we follow through on it time and time again, which just kind of makes the cycle of feeling in over your head more and more acceptable and perfect and uh, you almost welcome it. You welcome that sense of vulnerability because you know it's going to lead to some sort of adventure. Whether that brings out a moment of happiness or sadness or whatever, everything in between. Um, it's so much fun to kind of ride that roller coaster and willingly put yourself in it because uh, it takes a lot of guts to, to, to take that step to get out of your comfort zone. Um, and devote yourself to to something that sure as heck seems a lot bigger than you are and uh, quite beastly. And I think it's just that journey of learning how to snuggle up next to the beast and learn from it, laugh with it, laugh at it, uh, suffer from it, um, and maybe teach it a thing or two along the way. Uh, I just I, I, I really, really, really enjoyed that that part of, of what you said. I I really appreciated your comment, Tim, that uh, it can just be – all of it can feel like a grind. It's just a, an endless grind of menial tasks that can really bum you out sometimes. Um, but I think your approach of looking at it as just doing the work that's in front of you, like what a great uh, – just a simple idea about like – gaining momentum and just doing one thing in front of you, taking one step and then building off that momentum and eventually taking down the big yeah. beast. And, and doing, and doing that one thing too. well. Knowing doing it yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, knowing that uh, that even the small steps are super important if, you want to, if you're trying to accomplish something big. Moving on, um, another great submission we got trying to tackle this beast of a topic of what motivates us was from the first Warm Showers host we stayed with back in Cedar City, Utah, a guy by the name of Dana Miller, who is... Mud and Guts. Dana Mud and Guts Miller, who uh, was one of the first original sponsored athletes by Goo, the energy gel um, company. And he's also the five-time winner of one of the hardest ultramarathons in the U.S., the Wasatch 100. Which is a 100-mile race on foot. And he won it five times, breaking the course record multiple times. Um, and he just happened to be on this couchsurfing website, and we stayed with him, had a great time. And we've been kind of uh, diving into his insights throughout the trip, looking for an answer to this motivation question. And this is what he came up with. Hi, Tyler and Tommy. Uh, this is Dana Miller. I'm trying to address your 
questions about motivation. And uh, just, you know, thinking about it, motivation is uh, really frustrating and fascinating at the same time, you know, because at the simplest level, it's uh, why we do what we do. But then, on the other hand, if you really look at it, uh, it makes us dig really deep inside, and that can sometimes expose our our personal hopes and fears and even what we most want out of life. So, you know, and motivation also changes, not just over time, but even, as I found out, even within an hour while I'm doing something. The other thing that I found is that is that a lot of these things are really mental and I think you have to have a clear vision of yourself at the finish line. You know, in your case, you want to go to Patagonia. You know, you want to be able to look at that map of southern Utah or southern South America years from now and realize that you were there, but you've got to see yourself there beforehand. But, you know, once you have that your vision of yourself at the finish line, then you have to get yourself there, and that's what motivates me to do the training, to cover the miles, to get through the rough patches, uh, was was um, making that vision of myself at the finish line a reality. That's not anything really, really, um, I guess, um, stupendous, but uh, that's kind of what has kept me going over the years, so I hope you can find some useful part of this. Take care. So from the moment we met Dana, uh, we knew that his unique voice as a seasoned and successful endurance athlete and adventurer, that his voice was going to be a special one in this conversation and that we wanted to uh, kind of pick his brain for insights about what motivates him. And I think that idea of envisioning yourself at the finish line, accomplishing the goal is absolutely crucial to to really gaining any meaningful insights from your own personal motivations. But it wasn't the only thing that Dana had for us. After going for a bike ride and reflecting on his original comments, he actually sent us another email with a second clip that we are going to play for you now. You know, Tyler, while I was out uh, biking today, I was thinking about the comments that I shared with you earlier regarding motivation and it really kind of occurred to me that motivation is so complex and that you know for anything in our lives we have so many different reasons for doing it that you know when I run into difficulty I kind of find myself visiting all of those reasons for doing things and then finding one that right at that particular moment gets me through the next little while and it's really different every time. And, and I don't know that it's even kind of like, you know, peeling the proverbial onion a layer at a time to get down to your deepest motivation. I, I just don't know that I've ever discovered that. Um, it just seems to be more complex and more fluid than that. So um, I think one of the most important things for people to do is to, you know, kind of before a major, major event is to just evaluate how, how badly they want to do it. So this, this second clip from Dana is one of my favorite listener submissions that we've gotten on the whole trip because the, the same conclusion that he arrived at after going on his bike ride 
is the conclusion that I feel like both Tom and I have arrived at after our year-long bike ride in that there is no absolute central core to this idea of motivation. Dana describes it so well when he says that it's fluid and it's complex and it's about picking something that speaks to you in the moment where you need motivation. And that thing will, it will serve you at that time and it may not be that it will serve you the next day or the next week, but as long as you have something that's telling you to get up and go in the moment and you listen to that and you extract every ounce of inspiration that you can from that thing, then you're gonna be okay and you're gonna keep moving forward and you'll find something that will uh, will inspire you again when you need it. Um, and that is, uh, it just so perfectly resembles how we have been operating on this trip. Um, 100%. I think that it, it, it is the the essence of the trip of like Dana said what motivates you one minute it's going to change the next like what motivates you uh, before the start of the day when you know you have a 3,000 foot climb for the first four hours of riding is going to motivate you is going to be a lot different from what motivates you those last 10-15 miles into camp after the after the 3,000 foot climb Uh, the amount of times we've gotten to the top of a of a climb or the end of a rainy day or something and we talk about what we were thinking about that day a lot of the times it's like it's just comical the the it's like yeah hey man i spent an hour and a half thinking about so and so this one time i was here this one person who did this for me uh or this one time hooked up with this one person da, da, da. it's just like funny weird stuff that does not uh like when you when you break it down it's like that's not the single motivating factor for the whole trip it's these little tiny mm-hmm. weird strands lightning bolts that you're hit with while you're try- you're still moving towards this, yeah. this end goal but uh yeah it, it's fluid it's complex it's weird it's it, it's just it's kooky. It, yeah. It, it's 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 like, it's like, you make at times you feel like you're going insane, but then when you reflect on it, you're like, oh, that actually helps me out. Uh, yeah. Through that that push. Feel, yeah. Feeling crazy like that. Yeah, getting through like those those menial tasks like Tim was talking about, and and how sometimes it can be kind of sad. Like, I don't like totally the things motivating you can be kind of sad, but if if that's what's speaking to you in the moment and that gets you through that hump, you know, on that day, then use it. Yeah, hundred percent. So I guess coming f- fully back to the original three questions that Jake asked, the third one being anything wish we knew beforehand, that might be one of them. That uh, we wish we kind of had a. a broader scope of appreciation for for things that should be motivating us throughout the trip and that uh yeah that we weren't i think before before leaving you know people would always ask why are you doing this like you know didn't have that concise boilerplate answer and part of me was like oh yeah i'm sure you know a few months in we'll we'll figure out why we're doing this you know what the motivation is behind this big trip but in reality i wish i would have known that few days before my flight back to the US, I'm still I still have no idea what motivated me to to do this other than a tug in my gut mm-hmm. following following what part of me was pulling my mind body and soul to. That's the best I can do. Yeah. And 
yeah, the million bajillion things that motivated us in all of the peculiar, crazy, hard, sad, wonderful times, pedals, um, you know, they, 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 they all contributed to achieving a goal that we don't really know why the hell we set out to do it. Yeah, yeah. But on that same note, it's like even this giant, huge goal that we set out to do, like Tim said, it's not going to, it doesn't encapsulate who we are now. So like, you know, it's like even if we, if we were able to come to some big uh, conclusion, this was the reason we did it. Like, even that wouldn't really hold up to the, the test of time because, you know, our lives aren't defined by this trip. Yeah. So, like, you can convince yourself that there's one thing motivating you, but that's going to look differently in, in five years. And so you're going to have to go through that whole search again instead of, I guess I consider myself lucky now that having come to this realization that it's so flexible and so complex and that it's better not to kill yourself trying to understand it instead of just being open to it and and not half-assing it. Yeah, yeah. And wait, actually, I think there was... One Jake had one last one last oh, question. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Jake, what was that again? Okay. Uh, the oh yeah, the last thing we wanted was, um, I mean, I can't speak for Graham, but <clears throat> a lot of the time, uh, you know, when there's a new podcast out, sometimes I like to throw it on when I'm going to sleep, you know, to bed. I don't fall asleep before it's over, but it's just kind of like a restful thing, and I was wondering if you could maybe. I don't know, like sing me or sing all your listeners like a, just a brief little lullaby in Spanish or something. I would enjoy that, yeah. It so, sounds, sounds nice. So that's two of us. Uh-huh. And the other five listeners would probably enjoy it too, so. Wow, that's, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big request. Nothing really comes to mind. Oh, actually, wait, you know, there's, there's one lullaby... I, one lullaby I know that actually has it's an ancient lullaby. I think it's five years old, um, mm-hmm. and its roots. It actually has Patagonian roots from where it originated, um, from the last time we were here. Uh, again, very ancient, um, but uh, he- he- here it is. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos, manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos, manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos, manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. Sus manos están totalmente llenos de cebollas. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos, manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. Tengo las cebollas en mis manos. So yeah, not your not your traditional Latin lullaby, but uh, it's a reggaeton world, Jake, and you're gonna have to get used to that. You're welcome, by the way. And. I mean, I guess after we just showed such incredible kindness to Jake, um, it leaves really no better time for the the final kindness of strangers. The final kindness of strangers verbalized on the podcast. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully it won't be the end of kindness no, of strangers. No. No, I have a feeling it won't be. Um, as always, so many people to thank, so many wonderful encounters... 
Uh, first and foremost, while we were still riding in the L300 Mitsubishi van, uh, we stopped on a chilly night at an Axiom gas station and uh, they let us park outside and um, they actually served us beer inside of the gas station which was very lovely and helped uh, put us to sleep on that chilly chilly just night. hilarious too coming from the all of the the norms and rules and taboos about um Drinking, no. driving. drinking and driving in the u.s and and that's you know rightfully so it should be those yeah. two are definitely should be separated but having that burned into our minds was just funny sitting in this gas station surrounded by other motorists and the attendant at the gas station the clerk behind the counter bringing three glass steins to our table and opening uh, you know these bottles of craft beer and sitting and enjoying them inside the gas station. Yeah, just very funny. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Um, from there, we went to El Bolson, and while in El Bolson, this beautiful uh, local jewelry artist gave us homemade cookies to uh, enjoy while we were jewelry shopping. Very delicious. Uh, from there, we were making our way. We made our way back into Chile, where we took uh, the L three hundred van. Um, down a teeny tiny road to where we'd heard of a magnificent campsite. Turns out that uh, the sun had just gone down and as we were making our way down this windy dirt road, there was a humongous hole about a humongous five foot, hole. Five foot by ten foot hole. The entire... Uh, a van eater. And uh, <laughs> our van gets stuck uh, just feet before the hole. Right, because um, we pretty much came to a skidding yeah. stop to avoid yeah. the hole. And w- we try pushing the van for an hour. Uh, it's pitch black at this at this time. The van is inching closer and closer to the hole, and uh, we realized we weren't. We were going to have to get this thing towed out or find more people to push. So or, sp- or spend the night yeah. in this van. On this sloped dirt road with our rear tires sinking deeper and deeper into the sand. And when we finally threw our hands up and decided to, you know, go throw our thumbs out on the side of the road and leave it up to the kindness of strangers, lo and behold, what happens? The first car that drives by is a passenger, a 12-person passenger van full to the brim with people. And they, all of them, jump out of the car and push us out in, like... Ten seconds. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Just the camaraderie of getting <laughs> yeah. a, getting a vehicle and stuck. Uno, dos, tres, vamos! Everyone's pushing, yeah. you know. And then uh, once the band gets unstuck, everyone's high fiving and hugging. Oh, yeah. And then we luckily we had a we had a, a two liter box of wine that we were able to gift to them <laughs> yeah, for well, saving the band. Well deserved. And uh, yeah, that was that was that was pretty great. Um, <laughs> after that. Uh, big thank you to Jeremy and Jared at Mama Hostel in Puerto Varas for sharing food. We had popcorn. They made us crepes. Um, and just good company. Just good, good company. Um, so thanks a lot for that, fellas. Then we went to the coast and hung out in a week for Valparaiso. And uh, one night, just coming home from a bar, Tommy and I were walking up the set of stairs and just stumbled across um, a woman named Lola and this dude named uh, Francisco and just wound up having a great like 40 minute conversation with these uh, strangers on the staircase and made some new friends and it was great. <laughs> so thank you guys. Very fun. Uh, 
Another big thank you here in Santiago again. We're staying with the wonderful hostess Grime, a fellow cyclist. Um, all sorts of fun hanging out with her in her apartment. Um, her boyfriend Rodrigo, thanks so much. Um, making it so welcoming to come back here. And then um, our friend Jorge in Santiago for holding on to some of our things over the past few months. Uh, much appreciated to all of you. And then to uh, friends, listeners uh, who contributed audio clips to make this episode possible, we owe a huge thank you to Tim Crosby, Dana Mudd and Guts Miller, Jacob Ward, Graham Ward, and uh, everyone else who just gave us uh, written uh, thoughts and comments um, for us to think about and reflect on to put this episode together. Thank you, guys. And as always, to the spoke naters out there, uh, Quincy Snowden with the Spoke Nation from Spain um, it was deemed a donation only valid for beer um, Shooty Tyler and I put that to very good use um, as we mentioned in the gas station um, there's was, there was much was beer, spent beer in drink the gas in, in your honor so thank you Quincy and then once again to Mike and Ann Medici for your continued support always appreciated always well used thank you both very much and then um, a, a personal thank you to Carl from Trek. Uh, he is a customer uh, support employee at Trek headquarters. And I've been in contact with Carl since uh, like six months before we left. And he owns the same model bike that I've been riding on this trip. And he has been by far head and shoulders above, far and away, the greatest source of bike knowledge for me throughout the trip. And um, has been there every time I needed help um, finding parts, just maintenance advice from A to Z. Um, thank you, Carl, so much. And then another friend, uh, Todd, former coworker, now working for a parts distributor for hooking it up with some discounts on new parts for when I get home. Much needed new parts. Thank you, Todd. And of course, a ginormous. Uh, undescribably huge thank you to our dear friend Mike Schutte for coming down and joining us over the past month. Uh, it was an absolute dream having you down here. Uh, just the camaraderie of another person, another friend, another source of laughter, uh, source of reflection, conversation. Uh, just cannot tell you how much it meant to have you down here, man. The sum emotional total of those three weeks with Shooty could have been, you know, a trip, a vacation all in uh, their own. It, it Hands was. Down. It, it was. was. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah. Um, and that, that wraps it up. That wraps up our final kindness of strangers. Uh, again, as Ty said, not the end of the kindness that will be brought to our lives uh, from many a strangers. But uh, I, I just love how this became such a central role, not only on the podcast, mm -hmm. but when we're just talking to people about, you know, wow, you're doing this big trip or da 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 da, how that was so easily translatable yeah. and understood to whoever was asking us about the trip, English, Spanish, whatever, of just talking about one of the main themes, no matter where we go. Uh, being the kindness of strangers. And, and it's so easily understood, yeah, too. Yeah, and I, I love how, uh, you know, every border you get across, you know, someone will ask, oh, how, how was Bolivia? Yeah. You know, I've, 
Como fue Bolivia? I, you know, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard bad things. Yeah, like same thing. Things. You get to Bolivia and they're like, oh, I've heard bad things about Peru. Like, how, yeah. how was it? And then you tell them, I mean, it was a dream. You know, we were treated so nice. People opened their doors. We were given food and just watching these people. Like, I don't know. You kind of, you kind of like break down this little like, oh, but I heard it's dangerous there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just stoked to bring that back to the yeah. U.S. Like when people. People ask us, like, okay, well, like, what went wrong? Like, you know, people always want to, like, oh, what was the worst? Did you get robbed? Did you? No, we didn't get robbed. Did, okay, well, what happened? Did your bike explode and you got stranded? It's like, no, people helped us. We yeah. threw our thumbs up and hitchhiked when mm-hmm. we had problems or whatever. And just bringing that back to the U.S. and hopefully still being able to get that same reaction of just how important it was to, to be helped out, um, in a foreign place by complete strangers. Yeah. Uh, especially, yeah. It's just, it's, I think right now more than ever, just people needing that reminder of uh, who gives a shit if there's a line drawn on a map. Um, you know, people, we're all human. You know, we're all, we all are capable of kindness. And uh, we're all, we're all capable of love and, and treating people the way that we want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just so, that I just, it just, like my heart is brimming with just how that unexpectedly became this huge theme of the trip. Yeah, I think one thing that uh, is so representative of how of what the the role that the kindness of strangers has played in the trip and how it's evolved. Like when we first set out to organize our podcast episodes, we would just think back, okay, where are the places that we've been? And now I'd say in the last like four to five months. When we sit down to organize our podcast episodes, we start with kindness to strangers because just reflecting on that, it always brings uh, brings the cream to the top. You know, it separates yeah. the wheat from the chaff. What were the good experiences? Um, they were all of these these times when we were helped out by random people showing us enormous kindness and enormous generosity, and and those are the things now that we kind of anchor all of our stories to. Yeah, because those were the most meaningful memories. Yeah. Without a doubt. And uh, Ty and I were talking the other day about just the longer we've been on the road, the more uh, the more things have the, – the importance of people, places, and things has gotten whittled down. Uh, I kind of – I was thinking about it in the, the sense of like a, a giant equation. Like you walk into an MIT classroom and every inch of the chalkboard is covered in this – you know, huge equation, and then you know the the more time you spend, you're able to erase more and more of the equation. You get down, you get down to the final solution, the E equals MC squared of uh, of what began as that you know million character number thing on the this what big huge thing on the chalkboard. And uh, I love to think about that in the sense of like what we have held important to us on the trip. The people, I think it's the you know really the people, especially you you we we've learned who who we hold nearest and dearest to our hearts, uh, the people that we think about every single day, the people that we reach out to when we have Wi-Fi, the people we reach out to when you know when when we're struggling, when when we're feeling sad or um, when we're depressed, just whatever you know. It's like this, this trip is this roller coaster, and um, just a huge thank you. I mean, you you know who you are. If you're thinking right now, oh, I wonder if I'm one of those people. It's you are. You know, if, if if we've had a conversation probably more than three times on the trip, the the, the people that we've reached out to have been uh, uh, a, a handful. 
and 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 then that's 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 very special to me, and I'm very excited to to come back and to, to connect with those people, and to to be close to those people again, and to be able to draw from their energy, and hopefully finally you know start giving some of our energy yeah. uh, to 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 people around us, and um, yeah, it's 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 just very it's very cool to walk away from this trip with really honestly like a handful of people that that. You just have we've been kind of shown mm-hmm. who are most important to us, and yeah. not to say that you know the, the all the other people in our life aren't, but uh, it's just I don't know that that was that was kind of a cool a cool reveal that yeah. was that was that was shown to us I guess mm-hmm. um, that was very unexpected but but very very useful very uh, a very good lesson to be learned. Uh, Especially in the context of coming home to a lot of unknown questions, but at least that much is known. It's like, you know, we've got our, our core group of people that have been supporting us and, uh, and we'll be okay as long as we got that. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, the last, uh, really the last like week, week and a half, I've been getting hit with kind of like the, oh, like, oh, oh my, my flight is next week. Like uh, this is all uh, okay. Yeah. Like wow, all right. This, this is all gonna be be done pretty soon. And <laughs> Dude, it's your been... flight is in forty eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I, what what's made me so happy is it hasn't induced anxiety or stress. No, you're right. It's it hasn't. been it's been uh, it, I don't know. I, 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 it's it's been these these dreamy feelings of of being able to to really soak in those moments to mm-hmm. walk around. Yeah. And to notice all the little cute old fruit vendors and just like yeah. all the little nuances that have become normal and um, just really just I don't know it's like the the it's like yeah home 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 is gonna be there it, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be there but you know we still got a week we still got two more days mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know I it it's it's just I'm I'm very happy that that is how uh, I feel about. The yeah. end, rather than feeling stressed and like sad right. and like anxious and you know all these negative feelings. Like, yeah. No. Instead of like arriving at the end of a cliff and jumping off to another cliff, it's like this dovetail, where you know it's like we are every day we're enjoying still here in these foreign places with uh, these foreign cultures and and foreign people to meet and and have new experiences with and. Every day that we get closer to going home, it's like, you know, we're also looking forward to the things awaiting us at home. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a roller coaster, but it's smooth. And it's like we've been saying, it's fluid. It's not uh, just like running into a wall and then breaking through and being on the other side, not knowing where you're going. It's like, yeah. no, we know yeah. where we're going. And I mean, I think uh, a nice part of that is we have some, we have some pretty rad things lined up. Uh, yeah. It's not like we're, 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 Flights landing and then on Monday morning we're heading to a cubicle <laughs> the for forty hour week. It's, it's it's kind of a a very uh, uh, the reentry will be soft. It's uh, I, as it should be. Yeah. Uh, so plan plans on my end. My sister is as pregnant as pregnant can be right now, and I'm heading home um, to greet her little baby uh, whenever it comes any day now. And uh, I'll spend a few weeks in Minnesota, a few weeks in St. Paul, and then I have convinced my father uh, to ride from St. Paul on bicycles, ride from St. Paul 
back to Denver with me. Uh, looking like we'll get a little bit of the Badlands, a little bit of the Black Hills, and then finish it off with some, some gnarly mountains in, in Colorado. Uh, and yeah, probably back in Denver, I don't know, mid to late August. And uh, first and foremost, I have no clue what I'm doing uh, when I get back. And the, my, my least favorite question you could possibly ask me upon return is, oh, so what are you going to do now? I don't know. Don't, don't ask that. <laughs> just shut, just shut up. <laughs> if you could do that, if you could just shut up about that, that'd be great. I'll figure it out. All right. Um, on my schedule is a return to the U.S. of A. Um, to celebrate the 4th of July in San Francisco with uh, friends and family and then biking to San Diego to visit with my dad and his parents and aunts, uncles, cousins on his side of the family. Flipping it back up north after that to Seattle to meet uh, with my girlfriend Kate where we will then cycle further to Idaho to have another family reunion with my mom's side, really covering all the bases, um, which is going to be fantastic. And then once that's all said and done, um, slowly heading south, back to the Valley of the Sun, where I get to stand next to my brother while he gets married to the woman he loves. And that is going to be about the greatest celebration of happiness to wrap this whole thing up for me personally. So I'm super excited. Yeah. So uh, things, things aren't looking too grim. Uh, Far from it. Yeah, despite the end of of this journey, um, I think we're we're just as stoked to to be back. Um, you know the I, I I the the one thing that I love is before before leaving for this trip, uh, it was it was it was the happiest I'd ever been. It was my my life had truly never been better, uh, and. Like a crazy person, I decided the best best thing to do in that moment would be to leave all of the people, the places, and things that have brought upon this wonderful amount of happiness. And uh, I don't know if I would have been able to leave for a trip like this if I didn't, if I wasn't in that state, if I wasn't currently the happiest I'd ever been. Uh, and I think you know this trip. It, it wasn't always the happiest. It wasn't always the no. easiest. Um, it was, a, a gr- you know, a lot of it was just a, a grind. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, I mean, you know, it. There's not. There's. There's. No, looking back, it's not like the ba- by no means bad moments. Not don't even come close to outweighing the good. No. And uh, this trip will always be looked at as something. That without question has brought more good than I can ever imagine to to my life, and uh, that's what just makes me stoked about heading back. Is like, yeah, I have no clue what I'm gonna do. Am I nervous? No, I just rode my bike from Denver to Patagonia. I'm pretty sure I can figure out a way to make some money and whatever, be happy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just I just I'm stoked to. Mm-hmm. To head back to people and places that make me happy. And knowing that uh, the the things that make us happy are very simple and very easy to find if you know where to look. Yeah. And, well, shit, man. It's been... 
it's been a blast making this podcast. Uh, yeah, thank we, you yeah. to everybody who has uh, hung with us for 20 episodes. Um, we like to think that we have grown as podcasters over the course. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear what you guys thought about uh, about the production through and through. Yeah, if uh, if you if you got a, a homie that you think you know would enjoy it, send it their way. If you got a good story for us, send it our way. Whatever. Uh, we hope that listening to these stories and uh, the transition from uh, you know almost 400 days ago when we left to now um, has, you know, given you some sort of confidence or inspiration to do something, to send it, to, you know, to get, to, 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 to get up, to get out there, to prove to yourself that you can trust that, that tug in your gut, that you don't need someone else to make your decisions for you. Um, Cause yeah, that's, 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 that's what this whole trip was about. Doing doing something, doing something that we're 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 gravitationally pulled to do. Whether whether we ever figure out why, who who gives a shit? The ride was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. One, two, three, four. Pedaling on to the end of the world Making friends around every curve Telling stories, pedaling on Thank you to Crosby Law Office for the Spoke Nation.